Chapter 3, The Long Goodbye. Episode 11, Reaction Time and Maneuver Space. One of the fundamentals of security is to provide reaction time and maneuver space to a commander. To, in a sense, give them advance warning of a threat ahead of them so that they can maneuver their forces around it or prepare their forces to engage it head-on. Rumors run faster through the army than at a junior high girl's sleepover party. The rumor had always been that the Kiowa was going away someday. It was an interim aircraft. From the day Gary showed up to his first unit to the day I selected the Kiowa at flight school, the rumor was always that one day, very soon, it would die. But then, someone else would say, don't worry, they've been saying that literally for decades. But before we deployed, one of the guys in Alpha Troop thought that finally, the rumors were serious. But I do remember um, we, were, we were sitting there, and I don't remember what we were doing. He wasn't even in our troop yet. And uh, I was talking to him about something, and he told me, he was like, hey, man, listen, it is official. This stuff's happening. And then later that day, he brought everybody in and was just like, hey, this is what's going on. So y'all need to start thinking about what you're doing moving forward. And everybody was just like, sure, man. Okay, whatever. Whatever you say, buddy. You know, didn't believe it. And, but somehow he had gotten the word. And sure enough, it, it, was, it was the real deal. And, uh, you know, it wasn't actually official. Like, okay, start putting in your wish lists until we were over in Afghanistan together. In what, 2014? And it was, uh, I believe it was October of 2013. And our troop SP at the time, Jonathan had all the warrant officers in. And I have no idea how he knew that this was the case or who, who he heard it from. My only assumption is that he had spent a lot of time at Fort Rucker. And had some, probably had some friends and some some buddies there, and probably heard through that rumor, rumor mill. I really have no idea how it how he understood this to be the case. But in October of 2013, he told us, "Hey guys, they're getting rid of the Kiowa," um, and and that was the very first time that I had heard it. Was sitting in the pilot's office in Alpha Troop 717 Cav that th- they were getting rid of the Kiowa, and I remember saying. Josh, shut up. Like, I have stuff to go do. Um, and him being very serious and, and saying, hey, like, you guys need to think about careers and where you want to go with this and so forth because from what I hear, the Kiowa is going away. So that was kind of a rumor. Again, I, I believe it was around October of 2013 we heard that. And then it was probably... I don't know, a month, six weeks later when that I had only heard it from him at that point. And then maybe a month, six weeks later, I started hearing the rumors from a whole lot of different places. And then December of 2013 is when it was on the Army Times. Uh, it was there was an article about it in the Army Times. And I was like, holy cow, this is this is really happening. They're really getting rid of this at that point. There has to be something to this if Jonathan tells me three months prior that this thing is going away 
And now that very same rumor where I, I had not heard it from anybody else, that very same rumor shows up in the Army Times. So in my mind, that was at least like, well, there, there's probably some credibility there. So at some point in 2013, before we deployed, he came in the office and said, hey, the Kiowa's going away. You need to pick a new airframe. And I was just flabbergasted. Like, how do you just sit the guys down and tell them that? Like, it was just, anyway. But uh, the rumor mill was super high, but we didn't for sure know what was happening. So this is early, this is late 2013, and really the Kiowa didn't go away, and ARI didn't happen until mid-2014. When I was talking to Gary, I wanted to know if Alpha Troop guys were hearing about a divestiture and then there's a decision to cut the squadron from the deployment, did did our leadership have some sort of heads up on the whole situation? They told us that it was a troop cap that made the decision to not send the whole squadron, that we were limited in the number of forces we could have downrange. But I wanted to know what Gary knew. No, I was just like you. I was like, it's a cap. It made sense. I mean, they were drawing down the Conar Valley before we even left. Before I even left in 2009, we were drawn down from uh, Bart and Tall and all the way down the Conar Valley. They'd, we had already started retrograding. And I'm like, ah, that just makes sense. I mean, I, eventually, you know, I kind of thought that the Conar Valley and Jalalabad was going to be turned over to the ANA. Maybe a contingent of soft was going to set there. And that's why we didn't go because that was what, you know, I will say that that was what was kind of briefed, you know. Like. In April of 2014, I came down to the office for my shift that night. Jeff met me at the door. He was red-faced but quiet, which was concerning for a lot of reasons because Jeff isn't often quiet. But he told me he needed to tell me something, and we walked outside towards the aircraft. He told me A.J. Finnegan, a fellow Kiowa pilot who worked at the task force headquarters, had come down earlier that day. He asked for everyone's airframe preferences because the Kiowa was being divested. I don't remember if this was the the first that we heard of it or if I just remember this particular part. But I remember Finnegan coming in and saying, hey, look, guys, this is going down. I need you to write your wish lists. And I was just like, wait a minute, what? And I feel like there had to be somewhat of a more formal you know, like, hey, guys, let's get all together and let me tell you what's getting ready to happen. They've decided they're going to get rid of the Kiowa, and so there'll be more information coming down, but this is really happening. I feel like there probably was, but I don't, I don't remember that as much as I remember Jimmy coming in and just being like, hey, man, here's the deal. Here's the list. I need everybody's information because I've got to send this down to uh, the guys down in JBAD, and they've got to uh, – put it in and, and, and that type of thing. But, uh, that's how I would call it. Um, but yeah, we didn't get an official notice until halfway into that deployment in 2014. And it was official. I mean, that was, that's a, a very loose term. Uh, I, I remember the same thing. I remember, um, AJ saying, Hey, we need to come up with a list and I have to send it back to Fort Campbell cause they're compiling a list for yada, yada. Um, so I remember that 
uh, and I remember, you know, the, the divestiture kind of rumor mill became more of a, this is a happening kind of a fact. The problem was, is it never came, the problem from my, from my perspective was it never came officially from the army with any kind of plan as to what we were going to do. What, what does that mean? Um, that was, that was my heartache with it. And I, you know, having a lot of friends and, and peers, colleagues, you know, in that same kind of situation, I know that they all largely felt the same way I did. I remember the, the Apache IP Nate's like, Hey man, you're going to be a 64 guy. Cause the, the, the 58 going away. Let me take you out in the front seat and like teach you what the concave versus concave convex versus ribbed non-ribbed buttons all mean and i was you know out there like working on the taz and like oh this is neat this is a way better site than the kiowa has and i just assumed i was going to be a 64 guy but there was never any there was never any like concrete like hey the kiowa's going away it was just all like rumor there was no formal announcement i like aj finnegan and i certainly don't hold anything against him for coming down to talk to the guys. As they say, bad news never gets better with time. I'm sure he wanted to tell everyone as soon as possible to give people as much time to think through their options. But I wish for all the world he had called me first. I wish for all the world he had let me break the news. I wish we had all gotten a moment to sit together and absorb the gravity of the situation. I wish he would have let me put some sense of peace over all of it, because we weren't going to find it anywhere else. But it was what it was, and we just had to move on with the plan. But what was the plan? Initially, the thought was everyone was going to get a transition. You just needed to send in your preferences. So, we sent those preferences back in a wish list sort of fashion to the squadron headquarters at Fort Campbell. Well, one of the first things that that ran through my head was I want to keep flying, you know, what the hell else am I going to do? You know? So I started thinking about what aircraft I would want to fly, even though it didn't matter in the long run. I'm sure that you know how all that was decided and, and whatnot, but, uh, they acted like, you know, they're actually going to look at your wish lists and, and make decisions based off of that, but that's not the way it happened. But uh, um, I think my first initial reaction was, you know, I want to keep flying, so now I need to start thinking about what I want to start flying and why. But it was more of a uh, – I, I was smart enough to realize that I didn't have all the information about why this was happening. But at the same time, I felt like I had enough experience – you know, both in the aircraft and then also in combat environments that uh, I knew it was a bad decision in my mind. So, yeah, at at the time, the way it was explained to us was, hey, everybody's going to get a transition. You need to just write down what it is that you want to transition to. And then they're going to try to, they, they being the army, going to try to, you know, match up what you want with what the army needs. That was, that was the, the bill that got sold to me. Uh, originally my thought was the same like vietnam era hey i'm a cobra pilot and now i'm going to be an apache pilot every swinging dick that flew cobras became an apache pilot and i was like hey if you're a kiowa guy 
You're going to be an Echo Model 64 guy. So I didn't think there was a problem. Um, you know, I figured if you wanted to fly something other than 64 Echoes or 64 Ds, you could put it in a 487 and go fixed wing or 60s or 47s. But I just assumed that the Army was smart enough to understand that if you're going to divest of 13 cavalry squadrons of 58s and stand up 13 cavalry squadrons of, 15, of 64 Echoes, like, you'd need to keep the pilots that fly them. Otherwise, you'll be 700 pilots short. Um, but the Army's not that smart. Shortly after learning of the divestiture, and shortly after sending in my warrant officer's wish lists, there was a new plan. There would be an airframe transition board. So, shortly after that, then we were told, hey... Like a month from now, we're gonna. There's gonna be a board at HRC, uh, Human Resources Command. And they're gonna decide who gets a transition and who doesn't. And and <laughs> again, AJ AJ, I I believe was the person that told me that. And I said, you know, wait a minute. I thought, I I thought we were all getting transitions. I thought we were just. And then he just kind of he had this really kind of irritated but but disappointed kind of look on his face and just kind of shook his head and walked out. So then we uh then I, I realized the value of keeping your records up to date. Um because I had no way of really updating my records at that point as I was on the other side of the world. Uh so my records were gonna they were what they were gonna be because I really didn't have the ability to change much. Records are really important, especially in the context of boards. Army promotion decisions are made by boards, or a panel of senior decision makers that sit in a room and decide whether to promote, or not promote, hundreds of people at a time. I've heard that basically your officer record brief, or the military's standardized resume, flashes in front of the panel Board members look at it for, oh, about five seconds and decide whether to promote you. They also look at your officer evaluation reports, but mostly just one teeny tiny little sliver of it, whether your boss's boss gave you the highest mark available, a top block or most qualified rating. In the midst of our 2014 deployment, the Army launched a new evaluation system, the Electronic Evaluation System, or EES. Whether you get a promotion or not depends not just on your actual performance, but on how good your records look and how many slots the Army has available for promotions in that field and in that rank and in that year. Some years, it's really hard to get promoted. Some years, everyone gets promoted. It just depends. So this new transition decision was going to be made by a board. They were going to take all the Kiowa pilots from junior W1s to senior W4s and 5s, look at their ORBs for who knows how long, check their officer evaluation reports for what, I'm not sure, and decide if that warrant officer got a new airframe or not. My OER for 2014 was the stand-up of the EES system and I was the test bed for who's our who's Task Force Lift Commander then? 
The Ninja. Yeah, Scott Halter. Yeah, so Scott Halter's first OER that he inputted into EES was mine, and it was a most qualified OER, and I wasn't sweating it because I'd made W3, and you know W3 promotion rates were like 60%, and I'm like, hey, if I made W3, I can make transition. I didn't update my ORB because I was deployed. In the midst of all these changes, all this uncertainty, we were still in Afghanistan. We were still deployed. This decision came down in April, the month we lost our 18 Alpha in the Afghania, and Ty took a round to the chest plate. The next month, Jeff got shot. We lost our Czech Republic soldiers to the S-Vest soon after. Brody and I talked a minute about what the divestiture announcement did or didn't do for our motivation. Uh, it, did, it didn't really affect my motivation because... Uh, you know, we were still there and we still had a job to do and we were still flying it and, and that type of thing. Um, so I was still motivated to go out every, it's not like, I don't think it, I was less motivated to go out and do a good job every day when I went up in the air and sporting ground guys and that type of thing. I was less motivated about the future. It was extremely frustrating. Because almost every day you went out and saw things that only the Kiowa could do. Or you saw these platforms that were going to replace you, ask you for help because they needed you to come look at something. You know, I can't tell you how many times, you know, either the UAV or the, you know, the, uh, the P-Tits, they'd call you on the radio and be like, hey, man, we've got something in our sensor, but we can't quite tell exactly what it is or, or what's going on. Can you come over and take a look at it? I mean, that happened... I mean, multiple times a week, sometimes multiple times in a mission. And now all of a sudden you're flying. And when that's happening, you're just like, yep. And you are the ones replacing us here. You are asking us for help because you can't see something or you can't figure it out or you don't know what's going on. Well, Hey, why don't y'all just go in there and fly at a hundred, 150 feet off the ground and look out your door. That's not there with your own eyeballs and tell us what's going on. And that's what was frustrating about it was the fact that you're eliminating this from the fight, you know, and you think that's a good idea. Um, it was frustrating on a daily basis. Brody's right. We treated every mission as if it were just as important as the last. If for no other reason, then we knew we would never deploy again as Kiowa pilots. That, along with the transition board, was the only factual information we were operating off of. It was the only thing we knew for certain, and it certainly meant that some people would not transition into new airframes at all. Somewhere in there we realized, hey, not everybody's going to get a transition. We didn't know what that meant. We didn't know what that meant for everybody else that was not going to be on that list, but we knew that there were people that were not going to be on that list. Um, toward the end of our deployment, I know that some of our uh, our senior warrant officers got a look at that list um and they kind of i think they wanted to ease our uh our fears and they said hey look every everybody all of the kaiwa pilots here i saw all your names on this list what we did not know about the list at the time is literally it was every kaiwa pilot in the army was on that list um and they either said they had a transition or they were an alternate um so with no explanation of what that meant, just that you either got a transition or you were an alternate. 
So, <clears throat> um, and, and truthfully, I'm not sure that the Army ever meant to publish that list in the manner that it did. I don't know as though it was ever supposed to be public knowledge. It ended up that way. Well, again, until we redeployed, I thought all of my aviators would be taken care of and given a transition to something else. All these years removed, we now know that list Dave is talking about was actually just a list of all the Kiowa warrant officers in the Army. It didn't mean anything. But it felt like something at the time. It felt like some hope to hold on to that there was a plan for everyone. We finished out the deployment with a massive question mark over the future. I just knew I was bringing everyone home. And that felt like a small, beautiful mercy. Next time, we pick up with more of the long goodbye. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a spare moment and would like to rate and review, we would greatly appreciate your feedback. At the end of the series, we will host a special question and answer episode. If you have any questions you would like to ask myself or any of our cowboys, please reach out to us at membersofsocietypodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at membersofsocietypodcast. Until next week, Death Rides.